scripture reading Barry has asked me to read is that of uh, John 5, uh, verse 22 and 23. John 5, 22 and 23. For neither doth the Father judge any man, but he hath given all judgment unto the Son, that all may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father that sent him. Thank you, Brother Bill. Good morning, church. Open up your Bibles to the book of John chapter 12. I appreciate Bill reading from John chapter 5. It gives an insight to a little bit of what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. I do want to remind you of a few things. Uh, Remembering your prayers tomorrow. Ms. Gail True will be having surgery, and remember her in addition to all those on our prayer list. And also remember uh, our group that will be gathering this afternoon uh, to knock doors. Remember them in your prayers. Also the group that will be gathering tomorrow evening uh, to serve the men from Teen Challenge uh, a meal. And also as we honor uh, Bill Hall, who will be graduating from uh, that program. So be praying about all those things and all those opportunities that they afford. Also, I want to thank, I'm sure you noticed when you came into the building this morning, I'm sure you noticed that things looked nice. And so I want to thank all of those who were here yesterday who worked hard uh, out in the heat. Uh, Doors were wiped down, windows were wiped down, cobwebs were taken off, things were pressure washed, the the sidewalks and stuff were blown off, Uh, mulch was putting the the bush beds outside, and so a lot of work uh, took place yesterday, and we appreciate all those uh, who were here working on the outside and on the inside. I want to I want you to think about something for a minute. What would you be doing if you knew that you only had one week left to live? What kind of things would you be doing? What kind of things would you not be doing? What kind of things would you be involved in? What kind of things would you make sure that would take place in your life? You see, because when when we look at John chapter 12, that's about where Jesus is at. He's looking at one week away from not being on this earth anymore. What would you be doing? What would you be involved in? Well, there's some things that Jesus makes sure and involves Himself in, particularly John chapter 12. You see, remember in John chapter 11, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And now He's gathered with some of His friends. And they're enjoying a meal together, a meal of celebration, a meal of thanksgiving. Now Mark chapter 14 tells us this is likely the house of Simon the leper who had been healed by Jesus. Matthew in chapter 26 also tells us that Jesus' disciples were also there. And so Jesus is there with the people that that He loves, the people that He cares about, His friends, His close friends ring of people that he is associated with. That's who he's spending time with as he approaches the end of his life on earth. In six days, they, the Jewish people would be enjoying the Passover. And you remember the Passover was the feast where they would remember the Egyptian bondage of their forefathers. They were to remember and teach 
their children. Uh, about the promises of God and about how God commanded them to uh, sacrifice a lamb without blemish. And then take the blood from that lamb and, and rub it on the doorpost and the lintel of their houses. So they would remember the promise that God gave to the children back in Exodus chapter 12. That He would pass over the houses that had the blood of the Lamb without blemish. And they would avoid being touched by the plague of the death of the firstborn. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, the Bible says that, that they needed to do this with a belt on their waist their sandals on their feet and staff in their hand so that you shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. You see, when we look at Exodus chapter 12, we see the urgency of what they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be taking part of this Passover meal with urgency and anticipation of them being delivered from that Egyptian bondage. And here they are, years later, Observing this Passover, and Jesus is about to partake this Passover with them. And He's anticipating that, and as all these people are gathered in the city of Jerusalem, it must have been electric. Now I want you to picture in your mind, <clears throat> the city of Jerusalem, people from all around, merging onto this city, to partake of this Passover, to remember all that God had done for them, all that God had done for their forefathers. Uh, imagine at the temple. The people have come there to worship and remember this Passover. Imagine the conversations that would have been taking place. Remember, <clears throat> they were aware that people were seeking Jesus to kill Him. Remember, they were aware of all the things that Jesus had been doing. Remember, they were aware that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so imagine in your mind the conversations that would have been taking place. Do you think that He will really come this time? Do you think that He will be here? Look over there. Have you seen those guards at the temple? I've never seen so many guards. Do you think... He'll actually come? Do you think that Jesus of Nazareth will be here? No, I don't think He'll chance it, some would say. And others would say, well, I think He'll come. In just six days, our Lord will be stretched across the cross of Calvary to give His life for the world, including those who hated Him. And that's the scene of John chapter 12. I want you to notice what John says in John chapter 12 and beginning in verse 1. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been, who had been dead, whom He had raised from the dead, there they made a supper, made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 
And then he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the money box. And he used it to take what he put in. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this day for my, my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but me you do not always have. Now a great many of the Jews knew that He was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that He might also see Lazarus whom He raised from the dead. <clears throat> but the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also. Because on account of Him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. We find here in our text several things that is involved in following Jesus. And I wish we had time to deal with some of the other things that happen at the middle and the latter part of the chapter. But I want us to notice what happens in here in these first 11 verses. John reveals to us a few people here that honor the King by the way that they live and some who do not. You see, the honor means to show respect or recognition, or one whose worth brings respect. And notice some of these people here that showed honor and respect to Jesus. And how do they do that? I want us to notice two ways this morning. First of all, I want us to notice that they honored Jesus in their home. They were in the house of Simon. Simon who had been healed from leprosy. By Jesus. And they are enjoying this meal together. Mary is there. Martha is there. Lazarus is there. Many of the disciples are there. Jesus, you see, was welcomed in this house. Jesus was there with His friends. They are honoring Jesus with this meal. It could be that they're honoring Jesus as a way of thanksgiving for healing Simon. Or it could be that they're also honoring Jesus because of what He had done for Lazarus in healing and raising Lazarus from the dead. Either way, both of these men were thankful for what Jesus had done. Both of these men were willing to honor Jesus in this home. Mary and Martha, they would have been thankful they would have honored Jesus because they were thankful because of the return of their brother. And all of these people there are honoring Jesus in this home. Someone has suggested a question that all Christians should ask and contemplate is this. How welcome is Jesus in my home? Because there are likely some Christian homes where Jesus may not feel as comfortable. Would He feel comfortable and honored watching the things that I watch? Interestingly, last Wednesday night in our Bible class, we talked about some of these issues and living a life that matters. And we read a quotation from the book, Every Man's Battle, in, in which one friend said to his other friend, hey, I've seen this movie that you ought to see. I know you and your family, you have a, um, a family a movie night, and you ought to see this movie. It's a great movie. This actor was great. That actor was great. 
To which his friend responded, he said, Oh no, that movie's not going to be shown in our family night. And he said, wow, man, that's a great movie. And he said, because of this scene, and this scene, and this scene, and this scene. And the other guy said, oh, you know, I I guess I've watched things so much I didn't even realize all those scenes were there. And it presented us an opportunity to discuss that. And there were some interesting uh, points made out in that discussion. It reminds us to ask ourselves, would Jesus be honored or comfortable watching the things that I watch? Would Jesus be honored and comfortable if He's in my car or my room or my house listening to the things that I listen to? Would Jesus feel comfortable and honored with, by the attitudes that are displayed in my home? Would Jesus feel comfortable and honored by the words that are used in our homes? Isn't it interesting that so often we can get comfortable with where we are in life. Get comfortable in our own homes that we never really contemplate. Would Jesus be honored if He were here? Let us make sure that we're living and acting in a way in our homes that Jesus would feel comfortable and that He would be honored by being there. Let us strive even in our private lives to live in such a way that we honor Jesus so that it's not to bring shame to Him or embarrassment to Him or ourselves. You see, honoring Jesus in our homes means striving that we strive to make our homes a place where Jesus is the Master. Maybe it is men sometimes we want to make sure we're the masters in our home instead of making sure Jesus is the master in our home. You see, making Jesus the master of our home, it means that He would feel comfortable watching the things that we watch or listening to the things that we listen to. Honoring Jesus in our homes means that He would feel comfortable being involved in the conversations that we involve ourselves in. It means that Jesus would be comfortable and honored reading the very things that we read or looking at the things on our phones and our computers that we do. You see, we look at the things on our phones and on our computers that if Jesus was watching, and the reality is He is, that He would be honored and He would be comfortable. Honoring Jesus in our homes means that husbands and wives, it means that we would feel comfortable with Jesus in our home watching the way that we treat our spouses. It means, young people, that we would be comfortable in Jesus being there and watching the way we treat our parents. Catherine Booth, the wife of the founder of the Salvation Army, was a woman of immense gifts and remarkable service to God. Her son wrote in her biography this, She began her public ministry when I, her eldest child, was five years old. But her home was never neglected. Her home was never neglected. No matter if she ministered publicly or at home, Catherine Booth realized it it was all worship to God. What an honor. What an honor this young man, this man gave to his mother. And in a sense, to Jesus. Because he was honored 
in that home. You see, this group of people that's gathered here, they honored Jesus in their home. And the question for us is, are we doing the same? But you see, the next thing that we need to think about and we see in John chapter 12 is in order to honor Jesus in our homes, we first have to honor Jesus in our heart. Uh, let's observe some, some individuals here that John mentions uh, that honor Jesus with their heart and then one that did not. First we see Martha. The Bible says that Martha was serving. We read it there. She was serving. That was her element. That's what she enjoyed doing. She likely might have been up all night or at least got up in the morning preparing this meal. And the aroma of that meal, that wonderful meal, could have been smelt all through the house and likely outside of it as well. You see, nothing was too good for Jesus, for Martha here in John chapter 12. Nothing. In fact, she likely used the best recipe that she had. But she loved, loved serving in this way. She loved serving her Lord and serving others in this way and honoring Jesus. Maybe that's the way you honor Jesus today. There were a lot of people serving here yesterday and really it's not important who it was. It's really not important really what was done. What is important is that we serve Jesus. There are many people serving each and every day throughout the week. And it's really not important who it is or what is done. It's important that it's done in honoring Jesus. Maybe you are one today that can be counted on to serve in your home, in the church, in the community. But remember, do that in honor of Jesus. But I want you to think back to Luke chapter 10, I believe it is. Luke chapter 10 is a little different than what happens here in John chapter 12. You remember in Luke chapter 10, you also have Jesus at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you remember it was there that Martha was serving. And Mary, she was sitting at the feet of Jesus, giving Him her praise, giving Him her ear, and giving Him her heart. And Martha's just busy serving around and getting things ready because this is the Lord that's here. And she gets so frustrated and she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, tell my sister Martha to get up and help me. I'm doing all the work and she's doing nothing. You remember, it was Jesus that said, Martha, you're worried about many things. In fact, you're worried about the wrong thing. And you have a choice here. And Mary has chosen the right way. Someone has said, the opinions are always before us. We can complain about those who are not doing their job. And we can be sour or we can do our work lovingly and gently. Those are the choices. And the transcending point is that the loving sacrifice service is always the characteristic of those who have had their hearts truly touched by Jesus. Can you see Satan at work in that previous episode in Luke chapter 10? 
Martha, you're doing all the work and Mary's sitting over there doing nothing. Why should she be the one that gets to sit there and, and listen to Jesus and you do all the work? And Jesus calmly reminds her, Martha, where is your joy in serving? Are you more worried about Mary and her using her talents? Or are you more worried about yourself and using your talents and receiving the joy from serving? You see, John chapter 12, she's serving with an attitude of honor from her art, and that's where she receives the joy. Not because people are writing newspaper articles or, or bulletin articles about the service that she's doing. Because now she's finally realized I'm serving and it's a joy because I'm serving for the, from the heart in honor of Jesus. And then next we come to Lazarus. The Bible says Lazarus is simply reclining with the Lord. Not a lot is known about Lazarus except he was the one that Jesus raised from the dead. And it might appear when you read verse 2 of John chapter 12 that Lazarus is just lazy. He's just laying around waiting on the women to serve him. He's just waiting around, waiting on everyone else to do everything, but that's not the case. You see, Lazarus simply wanted to spend time with Jesus. He wanted to fellowship with Him. He wanted to talk with Him. He wanted to ask Him questions and He wanted to listen to Him. He wanted to enjoy every minute that He had with the Master. You see, there's nothing wrong with enjoying being with the Savior. Being in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with longing to be in the presence, to simply be in the presence of the Lord. In fact, the psalmist said in Psalm 46 and verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe too, you too reveal your heart for God in that you simply want to be in the presence of God. You simply want to enjoy fellowship with the Master. Remember in verses 9 through 11? The Jewish leaders found out that Jesus was at their home and they came to investigate. And the Bible tells us that they not only came for Jesus, but they came to see Lazarus. And then the Bible tells us that they also plotted to kill Lazarus. Simply because of what Jesus had done through him. Now isn't that a witness? You see, Lazarus had become the star witness in Jesus' ministry. Not because of anything Lazarus had done, but because of what Jesus had done through Lazarus. And the Jews sought to kill him. They plotted to kill him. Why? Because as a result of what Jesus had done through Lazarus, many turned away from Judaism and they believed in Jesus. Amen? Now wouldn't that be awesome if someone said that about us? Even if someone wanted to kill me as a result of it. 
You see, Jesus, or rather Mary and Martha and Lazarus, at this moment, they had an eternal perspective. It wasn't about what would happen to them. It was about Jesus was here and they wanted to honor Him in their home and they wanted to honor Him with their heart and with their time and with their lives. Though there's not much said about Lazarus, no special words, no special events other than Jesus had raised Him from the dead, No special actions that he had taken forth. And yet he ended up being one of the greatest witnesses for Jesus at this time. How about us? How are we honoring Jesus with our heart? And then we see Mary. Mary, she comes to the feet of Jesus and she anoints Jesus with this expensive perfume. And here another occasion very similar to that in Luke chapter 10 where Mary simply wanted to praise her Lord. And John writes that she anoints the Savior's feet with very expensive perfume. In fact, when Judas sees what she's done, he's like, why didn't you take that and sell it? He says it's worth 300 denarii. Which we know that a denarii is one Day's work of pay. Someone has said this in calculating it out to U.S. dollars. Calculated at $4 an hour, which is not exactly a high pay, it comes out somewhere in the neighborhood of $10,000. Are you with me? And the Bible says she broke this flask of oil or perfume and anointed the dirty feet of Jesus. And then she let down her hair and she wiped His feet with her hair. Uh, Or it's believed that a woman's hair was her glory. And you see, she gave her most treasured possession to Jesus. Which raises some questions. She spent this amount of money, which that's not the important thing, it's where her heart was, on Jesus. And the question comes to our minds, is what would we give for Jesus? What is our most valued possession? For some it would be their checking account. For some it would be a position or a title. For some it might be a certain relationship. For others, it might be possessions or things. But the question we have to ask is, would we give it? Would we make it available for the Lord's use? If we were here in John chapter 12, would we give it like Martha did? But you see, here's the reality. If I wouldn't be, if I wouldn't give it in John chapter 12, I likely wouldn't give it now. Hair, it's believed for the woman in that culture was symbolic of her glory. And she lavished the feet of Jesus with her glory. You see, she gave all to her Savior. John tells us in verse number 3 that the aroma of the perfume filled the house. 
So the honor that she gave to Jesus from her heart, through her actions, also blessed others. Are you with me? So when we honor Jesus from our heart with our actions, we also bless others. You see, we can't honor Jesus by giving half our heart. We can't honor Jesus by giving half our checkbook or half our talents or half our relationships or half our lives. It comes when we give all. Is that not what Jesus did? Is that not what Jesus is about to do in about six days? Mary did it, Lazarus did it, and Martha did it. But I want you to notice one other character that John mentions that shows a different heart. And that's the heart of Judas Iscariot. When Mary broke the bottle of expensive perfume and anointed the feet of Jesus, it seems that Judas saw this as an extravagant waste. Where was his heart? Maybe where his heart was at in John chapter 12 is the very reason he was an instrument of betrayal for the Lord later. Remember, he thought that it was worth 300 denarii. Sell it and we could give it to the poor, he said. But at first look, we, you can look at that and you say, oh man, Judas is impressive. He's a sensitive kind of guy. But the reality is he's not because the Bible says in reality he's a thief. Because he kept the money bag and he stuck his hand in the money bag for his own cause. Folks, it seems possible that one could sit at the feet of Jesus the Savior and still not have a heart for Him. It seems possible to be in the presence of the Savior while only thinking of ourselves. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15 when He's dealing with these questions from the scribes and the Pharisees about eating bread with unwashed hands and Jesus said this, Hypocrites! You actors! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you so. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. They look good and they sound good, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Let us not be a people who look good and sound good at being religious. But that it's obvious when we speak and when we act, though we're not in a pulpit or not before class, but in our jobs and in our homes and in our schools that people see a heart that honors God. We must ask ourselves today, where is my heart? How or am I honoring Jesus with my heart today? There's a story about a man who had gotten old. He had gotten so old that he was feeble, his eyes were dim, and his hands trembled. And when he ate, he clattered the silverware together. He missed his mouth with a spoon more often than not. 
And he dribbled his food from his mouth onto the tablecloth. Now he lived with his married son because he had nowhere else to live. And his daughter-in-law, she did not like it. She did not like the arrangement. In fact, she would say, I can't have this. It interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the older gentleman firmly by the arm and they pulled him over to the corner of the kitchen. They sat him on the stool and they gave him this, this earthenware bowl to, to eat his food in. But then one day, he drops the bowl and breaks it. And so out of frustration, the son and his wife, they, they build him a trough to eat his food out of. And they have him over there in the, in the corner eating out of this trough. One day, they had a four-year-old whom they were very fond of. And he was playing in the floor and he was putting together blocks of wood. And the, the father went over and he asked him, Son, what are, what are you doing? What are you building there? And he looked up at his dad and he says, Dad, I'm making a trough. Smiling up for approval. I'm making a trough to feed you and mommy out of when I get big. The man and his wife looked at each other for a while and they didn't say a word. In fact, they began to cry. Then they went to the corner and they pulled the older gentleman out of the corner and back up to the table. In fact, they, they gave him a very comfortable chair to sit in this time. And they gave him his food on a plate. And nobody ever scolded him or got on to him for clattering and spilling or breaking things ever again. I wonder, and we each have to ask ourselves this sobering question, if my Lord were here beside me in my home, in my workplace, in my school, in my community, how would He honor me by the way I honor Him? Would He push me off spiritually in the corner? Or would He make sure I'm at the table. Are we allowing Jesus in our heart and in our homes and to touch our lives today? Simon opened his home to Jesus and all that who would want to be with Him. Martha was serving with all her heart and with all she had. Mary was pouring out all she had in compassionate, selfless worship. And Lazarus, he was given all of his time of simply being in the presence of the Savior. What are we giving to Jesus today? Are our homes places where Jesus is honored? Is our heart a place where Jesus is honored? Today, are you a child of God? Have you given your life to Jesus in faith and obedience and invited Him into your heart and given your life to Him by being buried in that watery grave of baptism to be connected with Him through His death, burial, and resurrection, to rise in newness of life, declaring to all the world, I'm living a new life and Jesus is in it. Maybe you're here today.
What if you only had a week? What would you be doing? You see, this moment is important. Not so we can... Man, look at all the people who come forward. Not even so we can gather around like a lot of times we do. This moment is important. Because if we only had one week to go, would we be honoring the Lord? And that question is answered right now as together we stand and sing.